Well, good morning, everyone. A um, couple of unpopular topics this morning. The fear of God and hell. Uh, probably if you inhabit um, not so good a churches as this one, you might not ever hear them preached on at all. Um, what, what I was thinking about is what, what, what do we fear most? You know, if we'd lived centuries ago, it would probably be the plague or smallpox or cholera or dysentery, all these things that used to regularly sweep through Europe and kill large percentages of the population such that, you know, to live past 30 was considered a pretty good effort. Um, and if it wasn't that, well, then you'd, there was always the danger of an invasion from some army or other that decided they wanted to come and conquer you and they'd just take whatever they wanted and, and if you didn't want to give it, you'd just get killed. Uh, you know, we really do live in a very uh, peaceful and blessed time here in Australia, don't we? Um, I mean, there was, a, there was a period of several months in 1942 where Australia was actually in serious danger of being invaded by the Japanese. It, uh, it passed fairly quickly uh, I think Bob might be the only one here who's old enough to actually remember that time. Perhaps he was only a little boy. But, but it was a serious danger. And if you've, if you've come from, uh, from England, well then, uh, I, I'm just in the middle of reading a, a very long biography of Churchill and, uh, and I'm just at the bit in 1940 at the moment where France has, has been defeated and, and England is left alone with, with, with her... Um, um, Dominions, of course, being Australia and Canada and New Zealand, uh, have been left alone to fight the, the might of the German army, which had conquered virtually all of Europe. Uh, so, you know, these things are, are not that far distant in the past, uh, where people had had uh, had lots of reason to be fearful. But but somehow, we still seem to manage to be spend a lot of our time being fearful of the wrong things. Um, I mean, you know, these now we. We've got, uh, of course, the, the COVID-19 and, and, and the dreaded cancer. Uh, we worry about our, our family's health and we, we, you know, there's never any shortage of things that we can worry about if we're that way inclined and we can end up like, uh, like Job where, uh, you know, where he said, well, what I feared most has come upon me. Um, in, the, in the case of the Lord Jesus, uh, the fear of violent, violent death was very real. Uh, you know, we we like to think, oh yes, but he, but he was God's son, so that's different. But but he was man, fully man, just like us, and and uh, he suffered the thing, same things that we suffered, and and unlike us, he knew for a certainty that he was going to suffer a violent a violent death, and he knew when it was going to happen. And so, as I said, he was fully man, and uh, and he would have feared that the same as we do. And it's very natural, I think, for us to be fearful of those that can uh, and that can kill our body. Of course, we are. You know, if we didn't fear sharks, we would probably end up getting eaten by one. Um, but but in in this reading today, Jesus tells us that that those things that can kill our bodies are actually uh, not to be feared, because their power is very limited. They, sure, they can kill us, but once they've done that, there is nothing left that they can do. Their power over us ceases completely at the moment of our death. And lots of people who've, uh, have, who've wanted to punish people ha have wished that that wasn't so. Uh, you know, the great um, Bible translator, John Wycliffe, the first 
far as I know, the first one who translated the Bible into English in the 1300s. Uh, he, he translated, him, him and a few helpers translated the entire Bible because he believed that the common man should be, should be able to read it in his own language. Um, and, but when the church authorities found out about this, they didn't like it, and, uh, and so they, they sentenced him to Wycliffe to be burned at the stake. Uh, the only problem was that Wycliffe had died 20 years earlier. Uh, and so they dug him up and dressed him in his clerical clothes and burnt him and, and, uh, and threw his ashes into, into the river uh, as if he would have cared. I don't, th I don't think he would have. Um, you know, their, their power over him completely finished at the point of his death. However, Jesus tells us that there is one whom we should fear and only one. God not only has the ability to kill our mortal body, but he alone can decide what will happen after that. He has the power to disown us and hand us over to the power of Satan and uh, leave us in his evil and, and murderous control. And so this brings us to the, the, the topic of hell because that's that's what our reading today tells us, that, that, that God has the power after our death to, to cast us into hell. You know, we, we hear people say, well, I'm not very worried about hell um, because, well, all my mates will be there and it'll be one big party. It won't be like that. Hell is a place of utter and complete loneliness where you're completely separated from everything that is good. You know, when we read the paper or, or watch the news, we see, at any time, we see a murder somewhere, a fire, a car accident, uh, some new disease, whatever it is. But the thing about when we read about it in the paper or watch it on the news, there's always someone trying to help. If there's a fire, there's, there's um, the fire brigade comes and tries to put it out. If there's some, if some new disease, people are trying to find a cure for it. Um, yet there's always somebody trying to help. But that's not what it'll be like in hell. There'll be all the bad things that we know now and more with no one to help going on for eternity. We do, we do need to realise the seriousness of our situation. It's not a, not a popular idea, I don't think, the idea of um, the fear of God. Uh, people, you might hear people say, well, the God I know is a God of love. But it is not at all incompatible to fear a God who loves us. Um, I mean, I don't suppose many of you really love our local police. But you might, if they were there to protect you from a, a violent home invader. But at the same time, if, if they found you wandering around the town at, after midnight carrying housebreaking implements, you might fear them. Um, you, can, you can love someone and fear them at the same time. We love God because he loved us first. You know, we deserved 
to be the one that is being thrown into hell. We deserve to be that person. But he has rescued us at great cost to himself. Of course we love him. But we should also fear him because we know just what he could do to us if he wanted to. I mean, we want God to be a God of justice. I mean, just like we want our police and our courts to be, to be just. We don't want people who break into our house and steal all our possessions and trash the place. We don't want them to come before court and the judge to say, well, you know, here we're a, a court of love and so, you know, you're free to go. Just don't worry about it. You can go and do it again. That's, that's not what we want. We want justice. We want God to punish the guilty and to free the innocent. But we know that, that if he wanted to, he could hurt us very badly. He can kill our bodies, but far worse than that, much worse, he can hand us over to Satan. We should and we must fear him. We must fear this God who loves us. You know, I remember doing a children's talk back in, in the other place um, a couple of years ago, and I said to the kids, we had 20-odd kids there sitting in the front row, and I said, are you scared of God? Do you fear him? And they all obediently shook their heads and said, no, no. And I said, well, you should, except for one thing, that he loves you. So, so how does that work? What would it look like? What does it look like to love God and to fear him? In commenting on uh, Galatians 5.25, which says, if we live in the spirit, uh, then let us also walk in the spirit. Uh, Spurgeon said that the two most important things in the Christian life are to live trusting in God, so that's living in the spirit, and to walk a life that is holy. So that's walking in the spirit. The, the person who's learned to trust in God, um, they, they, they discover what God is like. That, that's the experience we, we, we have when we discover, we, when we learn to trust him. We discover that he is a holy God and, and, and that sin cannot even exist in his presence. I mean, there, there, are, there are those who boast that their faith is so strong and uh, they, they don't really feel that they have a great need to, to, to live a holy life. In fact, I can kind of remember going through the bit of a phase like that myself. Where, where I believed totally in, 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 in salvation by grace alone and therefore sin didn't matter. It didn't last very long. Um, you know, God quick, pretty quickly corrects us. You know, Spurgeon said, woe unto those who try to do one without the other because then on the other hand you get people who, who try to live a very holy life but are not trusting in God. They're trying to impress God with their, their, the, with their righteousness. So, you know, woe unto those who try to do one and not the other. The, the fear of God causes us to see that he is a, a, a righteous God who punishes sin and, that, but, and also, though, that he can always be trusted. He doesn't make arbitrary judgments. He's not a bad judge, he's a good judge. Uh, he doesn't favour one over another we can and we must trust him. But the fear of God 
also serves to restrain us from sin. I mean, just like the fear of sharks stops us jumping into shark-infested water. The fear of men who can kill us because we are, are Christians, however, because we follow Christ, that is, that is not good. We should not fear them because they cannot do anything of any eternal consequence. But the fear of God who loves us and, and punished his own son in our place, that is good fear. Uh, you know, Noah had holy fear. In, in Hebrews it says that in holy fear, Noah built the ark. Um, you know, we can have unholy fear. That's, that's the fear of death that we have been delivered from. Um, you know, it's an unholy fear because we know what happens after death. You know, I was reading in the, uh, in the paper yesterday, actually, of a, a bloke who, uh, writing about, he, he, he'd had one of those experiences where he had a heart attack and died. And, uh, and then he was revived. And, they, and, and he's, he's, this guy's an atheist. He said, he said it was nothing happened, nothing, you don't have to worry about anything, nothing happened. Well, how would he know? You know, does he think that God is going to, um, after, after spending a life of blaspheming God and um, ignoring him and denouncing him and not believing in him, does he think that God is going to give him some special dispensation and reveal himself in that moment knowing full well that he's going to be revived? Well, I mean, he may. God is a very merciful God, but he didn't in this case. But this, this man confidently says, no, there is no God, there's no life after death on the most, seems to me, the most flimsy of, of evidence. You know, some, some might say, well, why, doesn't, why didn't God warn him? Well, Jesus said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them warn them. Remember, though, that this heavenly Father that we fear rejoices over his people to do them good. In Jeremiah it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away. When I was uh, writing this sermon, I got out the concordance and thought, oh, I'll, I'll just look up the, the references to fear and, uh, and comment on each one of them. Well, there's, there's hundreds of them. You know, I'm, and I'm going to comment on each. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, but but there's a few there's a few lessons in the fear of God that I think that are very useful from the Psalms. Now, uh, if you're reading the Psalms any time, note that the the word um, that the Hebrew word that it, that the word fear is translated from is also often translated as worship or reverence, which which tells us something, doesn't it? Um, to fear God to worship God, to reverence God, are all actually very similar things. Um, Psalm 2. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Um, it's, it's so good that this God that we fear is, is powerful enough that we would tremble in his presence. I mean, what's the good of, of, of having a God who's not powerful enough to do anything? You know, we want a God... If you were... I don't know, if you, if, you, if you had to travel by yourself through Afghanistan and you had to hire a bodyguard, would you take one of our SAS soldiers who was fully armed and prepared and knew all about it or would you hire a broken down old bloke like me with a, 
you know, a stick with a few nails through it. it, it you know, which one would you take? You're going to take the one who's, who actually you could be scared of if you got on the wrong side of him. You want someone, a God who's powerful enough to do things. So serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. Very similar to, to Paul's thing in Philippians. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Psalm 34, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Now there's a promise from God, isn't it? Those who fear him lack nothing. Psalm 86, teach me your ways, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So God teaches us to fear him. Psalm 115, you who fear him, trust in the Lord. God teaches trust through, it goes from fear to trust. And Psalm 111, which is same as Proverbs 1 verse 7, the well-known verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and in, the, in the New Testament, we're told that the wisdom of God is the gospel. So the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of, of learning the gospel. So Jesus then goes on to reassure his followers by reminding them how God cares for his creatures. This is you know, the next bit of the reading. After, after telling us to, to fear him, then he says, fear not. Because we're, we're not like those who fear those who can kill the body. But we're not like those who... Who, who don't know about God. Um, you know, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Uh, if, I, if, I, if I went to Morris and said, Morris, do you want to buy this box of sparrows? How many, you know, he's not going to give me much, he's not going to give me anything for them. He's going to get very cross with me for even offering them. Um, sparrows are not worth anything and yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Even after telling us to fear him, he says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than, than, many, um, more than many sparrows. You know, we haven't had to face the danger from Al-Shabaab militants or so like the people in northeast Kenya have to where they hijack a bus and then ask if anyone is a Christian and if they are, they get shot. Um, yeah, we, we, we have nothing like that. So the least we can do here in, in this wonderful country is to live as Christ's followers, his, his ambassadors. Um, you know, all, as we've spoken this morning, always looking for opportunities to let others to know of the hope that we have. And Jesus is not asking much of us here, really, is he? He says, that, you know, acknowledge him before... Um, you know, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. What did, what did the uh, ESV say there? What word did that use, Sean? In verse 8? Acknowledge. Acknowledge, yeah, same word. So, you know, he's not, not actually asking. It's not a, not a, acknowledge is not a strong word. We, we're just his people and we should, should, should admit it. Um, you know, it's just really, a, yep, I know him and he's been good to me. Uh, this is what he's done for me. But if we deny, now that is a serious, so that's a strong word, isn't it? If we deny him, if we disown him, I think the ESV says, um, you know, if we disown him before, the, the, before men, then, then we will be disowned before the angels of God. Mind you, if you've done that, it's not an unforgivable sin, it's exactly what the Apostle Peter did. But then it goes on to this bit about 
the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I, I did mention this a, a few weeks ago um, because some people have, you know, are seriously worried that they have done it and therefore they, they have no way back. They have no way of being forgiven. But we need to understand what this is referring to. Luke doesn't really explain it, but in the, in the other Gospels, in Matthew and Mark, it, it's in the context of where Jesus has cast out a demon and the Pharisees come along and said, you did, you did, you did that by the power of Satan. Uh, you know, there, it's where somebody is faced with such a, a blatant, obvious example of God at work and they ascribe it to Satan. That's what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit means. Now, I don't think many people have ever actually done that. When you're brought before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you defend yourself or what you'll say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time uh, what you should say. So don't be paralysed with fear in the face of unbelief. Uh, God gives us what we need at that time. It mightn't feel like it. We might feel like we've made a complete mess of it. But, you know, if we go in with a humble heart, uh, prayerfully, um, we can do nothing except what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. And, and really, what happens, happens. We, we might think it's terrible, but, but God may be using it. I mean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do our best to prepare. Uh, you know, we need to always be ready to give a a reason for the, the hope that we have. Um, I mean, basically, that can be boiled down to, uh, did Jesus rise from the dead? Yes, he did. Therefore, I have hope. But once again, though, this comes back to, to whom do you fear? Our loving, caring, um, our, our loving, caring creator, the one who made us, the one who sent his son to suffer and die and rise again for us? Or do we fear man, who after he has killed us or hurt us, cannot do anything else? I mean, the idea of fearing someone doesn't sound all that attractive initially. But actually there is nothing better in this life than to fear the God who loves me and died for me and rose again. Now, the Apostle John said that perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Well, we know that we're not going to be punished because Jesus took that punishment for us. So we, we have no reason in that sense to, to fear God. I mean, it seems to me that in the Bible there is three types of fear. Um, the first type is actually no fear at all. Uh, it mentioned in Romans, in chapter 3, that, 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 that Paul talking about those who have no fear of God. Um, that's bad. Uh, because God can do nasty things to us. He can consign us to hell. And secondly, there's the fear of punishment, which is... Which, which is can be bad or it can be good. And it's often the stage that a Christian goes through on the way to becoming a Christian, the, 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 where he realises his own sinfulness, he realises what God can do to him, and he wants to do, do something about it. 
Uh, so if it leads to repentance, it's a good fear to have. Uh, you know, John Bunyan, the great um, Puritan writer, he went years in this stage where he was terrified of God because he, he could see no way out of it. He, didn't believe, he thought he'd been so sinful that God would never forgive him. And he was tormented for years and years and years until the great weight fell off his shoulders. And thirdly, then there's, there's holy fear. But this is good fear. Where we know what God could do to us, we know how powerful he is, but we also know what he has done for us and, and how he has delivered us from death and punishment because Jesus was punished in our place. And he died in our place. And by rising to life, he has shown us what will happen to us. That's what will happen to us. Not hell. Rising to life with God. Eternal life. So there is nothing to fear for those who trust him. Later on in this chapter, we come to a verse that I'll, I'll pinch from, I'm not sure who, I think John's preaching on it. But I'm just going to pinch this verse just to finish Fear not, fear not, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Amen.